Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. so good to be in the presence of God and to know his touch in our lives. And this morning, I just want to continue about the word of, um, I want to continue talking about the supernatural church. And this morning, I want to bring a word of faith to you and a word of encouragement, because I want to talk about what's at the heart of supernatural church, and that is the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, there is no supernatural church. It's as simple as that. And if you want a message this morning, I want to talk about fanning into flame the Word of God that is within, within you and on your life. So if you'd like to turn your Bibles, I've got three scriptures I'd like to start with, quite short ones. And the first one is in Exodus 3, starting at verse 1. Can everybody hear that fire? It's great, isn't it? It's really hot on my back. <laughs> so in Exodus 3, verse 1, it says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God, where there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement through the bush stared in amazement as though the bush was engulfed in flames it didn't burn up this is amazing Moses said to himself why isn't the bush burning up I must go and see but the I am of God was in the flames and Moses was given the plans to save a nation and then if we turn to Acts 2 verse 2 some of you may know where I'm going with this Acts 2 verse 2 Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Flames actually appeared on their heads. John the Baptist prophesied that. He said, one will come after me who will not only baptise with the Holy Spirit, but with fire. And the I am of God, the I am which is God, was in the flames on the heads of those apostles. The power of the I am was in the flame. And then in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 5. Paul speaking to Timothy says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when, he lay, when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. It wasn't that Timothy's fire had gone out 
or his baptism in the Spirit was lost, but the cry of Paul's heart was that we should kindle it afresh and we should make sure that we're always burning in full flame. When the scripture, in these scriptures, fire talks about the Lord, it talks about his power. In the New Testament, it talks about his spirit. And we've all heard the expression, it was a baptism of fire. And it's a worldly term, and it means that you were thrown in the deep end, but you came out of it successfully. But our baptism is a baptism in fire, but it isn't being thrown into the deep end, into something that's unknown or dangerous or fraught. But it's a baptism of power and of love and self-discipline. And those are the things that we come out of it. And God defines us by that, and God wants fire in our lives. He wants the power of the Spirit in our lives. He wants us to live in the Spirit continually. When we talk about baptism in water, and baptism is from the word baptizo, it means to drench, to be immersed. It means to be plunged into, submerged and overwhelmed. And I believe the same applies for baptism in the Holy Spirit. God wants us immersed in his Holy Spirit. It's not, it is an immersion. It's a total overwhelming of what God wants for us. It's not a sprinkling. It's not a splashing. It's not a blessing. It's not even a touch. People say, oh, I had a touch from the Lord. God wants to do more than touches. He wants to overwhelm us with the power of his Spirit. In the first book, of, in first book of Genesis, in the only book of Genesis, in, Gen- <laughs> in Genesis 1.1, it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. And in Romans 1.4, it says this, it says, And he has shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is the same Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that was at creation and the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now, if I say nothing else today, if I could grasp that totally, take that on board myself, let me say that again, the same Spirit that was there at the creation of the universe, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, lives in you. Amazing. Amazing. John the Baptist said this in Matthew. He said, I baptise with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming who is greater than I, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be a slave and carry his sandals. Some versions say untie his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's amazing. I was reading that this morning, and I just thought, there's two, there's two um, accounts of the story, one in Matthew, one in John. And, I can, and when you see this on the TV, on films, Jesus sort of baptises this guy, and then he looks up and he goes, oh, it's Jesus. But it isn't like that, because what happens is he sees him coming. And he saw this man coming, and he must have thought, this is the man who can baptise with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And this is the environment, church, that we're created for. This is the way God wants us to live, to live continually in the Spirit of God. It's not an experience for the moment. 
It's not merely just the laying on of hands, and it certainly isn't a once-off event. It's an event that will affect our lives forever. It's not a tingle. It's a baptism in fire. It's the purpose of the Almighty in me. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in me. (laughs) And that makes me part of the divine purpose on earth. And I just want to say that we all need to be continually experiencing the dynamic of the Holy Spirit in our lives because it brings us into the fullness of all that God wants for us. Now, fire represents a lot of things. And in our lives, fire consumes. It consumes things that are dry. It burns up things that are useless and of no consequence. Fire cleanses. Things that are dirty and disease-ridden, fire cleanses them. Fire destroys. Things that need to be removed, fire can destroy them. Fire produces heat and warmth. It provides that for those people around it. Heat and warmth. And fire provides light. And as a body of believers, when we're full of the fire of God, we can provide light for those around us. We can provide heat and warmth for those around us. We can destroy the kingdom of Satan in those around us. We can cleanse those around us who need God themselves in their lives. The fire of God. God wants fire in our lives. He wants us to be effective to those around us. And the bigger the fire, the more dangerous it is. The bigger the fire, the more dangerous the effect, the more it can change things. So I want my fire to be big. I want to have a big fire in my life. Nothing draws men together more than a barbecue, I have to say. There's something so male about a barbecue, something so primeval about cooking raw meat outside. <laughs> but I... <laughs> I was just saying, I was just going back to what Phil said about feasting, you know, about as Christians we're always eating. But there's more in the Bible about feasting than fasting, so I'm just going to go with that. Um, but personally, I don't like charcoal barbecues. I prefer the oven. Serve it up outside, or gas, or even electric. Why? Because it's guaranteed to work. <laughs> Charcoal can be such a hit and miss affair in my life. I find that there's nothing more distressing than 30 people coming for a barbecue, and they present you with a charcoal bar. I had to do a barbecue once recently for somebody's 60th, and there was 40 people coming, and I bought all the food, And when I arrived, they presented me with a charcoal barbecue, and I just went into absolute meltdown mode and prayed over it, and it it did work okay. Because if charcoal won't light, you have to blow it and waft across it, and it takes great effort. But the charcoal of God never goes white. It never goes spent. It never goes dusty and just blows away. And God wants to blow across our lives. He wants to blow across our lives with the breath of his spirit so that we glow and we fan into flame the gift that God has given to us. 
For some of you here today, that may be a rekindling of something you've already received. For some of you, it may be for the first time to receive the Spirit of God. But Paul encourages Timothy again, fan into flame the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands upon you. Keep it in full flame, full burning. You see, we don't, when we ask and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we don't need to be rebaptized, but we do need to be refilled. It's not a one-off affair. It's not something that just comes to us and that's it. You know, I'm now, I've got another, you know, I'm now baptised in the Spirit. It's something we need to keep rebuilding on. We read in Acts 2 that they, the believers were filled with the Spirit, but then we read through the rest of the Acts and there was other times when the Spirit fell on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And I don't believe they were separate groups of people every time because there was a mass of people following the disciples around. But they kept being refilled and refilled and God commands us to be filled in Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. But instead, be filled with the Holy Ghost. God doesn't want us to sober up. He wants us to be full of the Spirit. Now, I believe that scripture has a lot of significance as a believer. Because why would you use something that is so diversely different? Be filled with the Spirit, don't be drunk. Now, in my job... I go and see, I go to a lot of conferences and I see a lot of drunk people. And there's things about drunks, there's classic things about drunks. First of all, drunks have no ambitions. Everything is achievable when you're drunk. Drunks tend to be very generous. They have no thought at all about the consequences. <laughs> and they're happy and full of joy till they sober up. And a drunk can be dependent on alcohol and will do anything to get it. But that's how God wants us to be. He wants us to be drunk with his Holy Spirit, full of his Spirit. That we have no ambitions. That we know that everything is achievable by the power of his Spirit. That we are generous. That we don't consider the consequences because we move in our lives in faith. And that we are full of joy. That our happiness isn't dependent on happenings, but we are full of the joy of the Spirit. And when we're like that, we'll do anything to get it. We'll do anything to get hold of His Spirit. Hallelujah. You see, when we receive Christ, all of us possess the Holy Spirit from when we believe in Christ. Because it says in Romans, it says in Romans 8 verse 9, it says... But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in, in them do not belong to him at all. Because Christ lives in you. Even though your body will die because of your sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. But look at this in John 7. It says, On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would, not have been given to, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not been given yet because Jesus had not entered into his glory yet. So there is a distinction 
There's a, we talk about an overflowing. There's an overflowing, there's an abundance, there's an effect of the Spirit of God coming into us and then flowing out around those who need it. So God wants us to have rivers of living water, his fire and his power in our lives. Now, a few times I've mentioned about being filled, and I just started to look into this a little bit with a bit more detail. And the Greek word for filled is pleruthē, and it reveals the correct meaning of Paul's command in Ephesians 5.18. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And the literal translation of that word means, be kept being filled. Be kept being filled. Keep yourself constantly filled as you yield moment by moment to the Spirit of God. And it fits perfectly within the process of walking by the Spirit. It's not a one-off event. It's not another Christian badge. Saved, baptised, filled with the Spirit. Spoke in tongues, given a prophecy, given a word of knowledge. It isn't like that. We need to be constantly being filled with the Spirit of God. A constant filling. When we use the word fill in English, we think not fill with a P, P fill with an F. When we, <laughs> that's just come to me. When we use the word fill in English, we think about somebody filling a container, like a bath or filling um, a car or a glass of water. But none of these really conveys the, pro- the precise meaning of playroo, which is the verb to fill. And playroo has three meanings in the Word of God. The first meaning of playroo, to fill, means pressure. And it's the same word which is used to describe a boat being blown across the water. The sails fill and the boat is driven by the pressure of the wind. Most of us have seen, a, we've done this as we've children, probably done it with our own children, where we've t- taken a stick and we've thrown it over a bridge and we've run across the bridge and we've seen the stick come out the other side. The stick doesn't have any sails, but it's driven by the pressure of the water. And God wants us to be driven by his pressure, not by the pressure of the world. And when we're filled with his spirit, the pressure of the world has little effect on us because we look to him and his power rather than the external forces around us. And God wants to set the course for our lives. And I know in my own life, sometimes when I feel the pressure of the world pushing me and I feel pressure, I have to stand and I think, when was the last time I reached to God? When was the last time I asked him to fill me with his spirit? And usually the answer is, it's been too long because I've allowed the influence of the world to pressure me. The second meaning of playroo is... I can never say this word. Permeation. Permeation. And I said to Phil and Sharon last night, I said, does everybody know what Alka-Seltzer is? Do you know what Alka-Seltzer is? you know what Alka-Seltzer is? So Alka-Seltzer, I don't know if you can still buy them, but they're like little white, big white tablets. And you used to probably, I think you used to take them if you'd had too much to drink the night before or eaten too much, I don't know. <laughs> but you drop an Alka-Seltzer into a tablet and it fizzes away and eventually it disappears. But it's still there and the glass of water is fizzing. 
and it permeates the whole glass of liquid. You can't see it, but you know it's there. And it flavours the water. And so God wants his spirit to permeate our lives, to fill our lives, to flavour our lives, and for people to know it's there, that we effervesce. I can say that word. We effervesce. That there's something there that people go, that's different about you. The last meaning is, I found fascinating. And it means domination or in total control. And it's used, the gospel writers use it three times to describe a very emotional moment. It's used, Luke uses it in Luke 5.26 when he says, after Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and healed the paralytic, the people were astonished and filled with fear. And in Luke 6.11, when Jesus restored the man's hand on the Sabbath, the scribes and the Pharisees were filled with rage. And in John 16.6, 6, when our Lord told the disciples that he would soon be leaving them, their, their reaction was that sorrow filled their hearts. And these were emotions that were overwhelming. They were overwhelming emotions. Now normally, through the course of our lives, our emotions are fairly balanced. But we do have times in our lives when emotions can overtake us. It could be a stressful situation. We could be arranging a wedding, which is apparently very stressful. It could be the death of a close family member, or an emergency, or an extreme situation. And during those times, those emotions will dominate our lives. And in some contexts, it's right that that happens. But in other contexts, it can be foolish, it can be sinful, it can be a waste of time. It can be even frightening and harmful to us. But God wants his spirit to so dwell within us that it dominates us. That our emotions, that our will, that the things that come against us are driven by the power of his spirit. Yes. Timothy said, he's given us a spirit of power, love and self-discipline, not a spirit of fear and sorrow or even rage. That's the spirit that God wants to give us. I just, I want to pause there because God... I just believe that God is speaking to some people at the moment. God is saying to you that he wants to replace the things in your life with the power of his spirit. And if that's you, just start to receive that. Know that God, God's spirit can change situations in your life. He wants to fill us with his spirit. Hallelujah. You see, the spirit of God descended on Jesus and it remained uh, John testified this. He said, I saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. And it wasn't that Jesus walked around the earth for 33 years with a, or three years with a dove sat on his shoulder like a parrot. No. It wasn't that the disciples, when they received the Holy Spirit, walked around with little tongues of flames always wafting on their heads. But the Spirit remained with them. Why do we know that? Because in their lives, there was power and demonstration. Because in their lives, the blind were healed, 
the lame walked, the deaf could hear, sinners were forgiven, people were set free. Paul in Corinthians says, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in power and demonstration of the spirit of power. That is how we know that God was with him. God wants to fill us with his spirit. So, how do we do that? What do we do that? Well, we ask for a start. We need to ask God. We need to say, God, fill me with his spirit. Because God wants to give you his spirit. He wants us to move in the dynamic of the power of God. That is a fact. I want to talk a little bit about tongues today. And I'm going to read a number of scriptures because I think it's always good to use the word of God when we try and say something. And if we turn to Acts 19, verse 6. It says, Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And then in Acts 2, we hear about, we just read that again. It says, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. You know, speaking in tongues is the evidence of the Holy Spirit within us. It's not the only evidence, but it is significant in the word that when hands were laid upon them, they spoke in tongues. They spoke in tongues. And there is something about speaking in tongues which I can't explain because the word of God says this. It says, for I, in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, it says, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. But there is something of a connection between God and his spirit that draws us into his presence. And... I won't read the story, but if we go back into the Old Testament, there was a tower called Babel. And everybody spoke the same language. And they decided, because they were so unified, they decided to build a tower up into the heavens, in a sense, to be like God and to touch God. And God decided to confuse them. And he gave them all different languages. And they were confused, and the story is that they dissipated across the earth. But I believe that speaking in tongues is the reverse of Babel. It unifies us with God. It allows us to speak in the Spirit with the Spirit of God. And it says in the Word that we utter mysteries when we speak in tongues. There is just something so God about speaking in tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking you will be talking only to God. Since people won't be able to understand you, you'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. (laughs) I believe that speaking in tongues unifies me with his will. I believe it strengthens my inner man. I believe that it builds me up. It makes me ready. I believe that 
God wants us to speak in tongues as much as we can. And it's important that we speak in tongues. It's not that we imagine or have it in our mind, but we speak in tongues. If you're baptised in the Spirit, God wants you to speak in tongues. And if you're not baptised in the Spirit, God wants you to be baptised in the Spirit and to speak in tongues. Because God wants to make his people effective on the earth. He wants us to be the flame in Market Harbour. He wants us to be the flame in this world. The flame that is going to destroy the works of the evil one. The flame that is going to bring warmth and light to the lost in this town. God can do that. He can do that. Because it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It's the same spirit that was there when God said, let there be light, and there was light. It's the same spirit. God wants living waters to flow from our innermost being. That we would be the answer to those people around us because the spirit of God is flowing out of us in abundance. It will change people's lives because simply by being near us would change people's lives. We would be like the glass of water with the Alka-Seltzer in that fizzes away and effervesces and that we would flavour people's lives. God wants us to move in new dimensions of his power. He really does. You know, some of you are looking at me and thinking, well, that's not for me. I, not because you don't want to do it, but you don't believe that God could actually do that in your life. But it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It's the same spirit that created the heavens and the earth. And we, for some of us, we just need to believe in faith that God is going to do that. Because he will. I know he will. Why? Because he wants to change this town. He wants to change this world. And it's interesting that it is about that because the disciples were told to go and wait. Jesus went and he said, go and preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, raise the dead, but wait. Wait until the Spirit comes. And when the Spirit came, they didn't wait any longer. They were straight out in the street and 3,000 people got saved. I think that would be a good start. <laughs> If the Spirit came on us today and we went out into the middle of Harborough and 3,000 people got saved, I think Phil would be fairly pleased. <laughs> We'd all be fairly pleased. Hallelujah. So, I want to finish on something that William Booth said. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. And a man went to him once and said, how and why have you been so effective in developing the Salvation Army, seeing so many things happen under your ministry? And William Booth took a piece of chalk out of his pocket and he drew a circle on the floor and he stood in the circle and he said, because everything in this circle is surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Everything in this circle is surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And... I'd like to make that appeal this morning. I would like some people to step into the circle and say, I surrender everything to the Holy Spirit. 
And all what you've got for me, Lord, I want to receive that. Can we just stand in his presence? Let's just reach to him now. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you have given us a great gift. And when we say great, Lord, I don't think that really justifies it, Lord. But in our own language, we know it's a great gift. And Lord, I just pray that for today, for some of us, that we would truly unpack that gift, that we would open it up, that we would take it unto ourselves and receive it in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray that as, we, as we're here, that Lord, for those of us who have never received your spirit, that Lord, we would reach to you for that, that Lord, we would ask, because Lord, You've said, if, if we ask, you will give. Yes. And Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus for those that are seeking your spirit, that you would fill them now in Jesus' name. And Lord, for those of us that are seeking to speak in tongues, that Lord, you would fill us with faith, that we would step out in the power of your will, and that we would receive the gift of speaking in tongues. And Lord, for those of us that need to be filled again, that we would be those that would be diligent, that we would be active in seeking your Spirit and allowing the Spirit of God to drive every part of our lives and not allow the world to press us on every side, but to move in the power of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we ask this in your most precious name. Father, we just declare that you are the Lord and that your spirit is here, that we reach to you in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.